Welcome to Carmali Exchange. I'm Faisal Carmali, and it's been about two years. I know. Everything's two years because of COVID, Faisal. Yeah, that we got together in this building, and we, were, we had you on for an interview talking about where you see the opportunities for businesses, business owners. Um, and I wanted to bring you back to kind of just have um, a bit of a conversation up to these business owners because there's been a big shift over the last two yep. years, of course. Uh, one thing that we've talked about many times, you and I, is how technology and, and, and being technologically literate is, is fundamental for business owners. Those who haven't pivoted to it, they've had no choice during this pandemic, of course. Uh, but now when it comes to the when it comes to your understanding of how the financial sector, let's start there, and how they've changed in the technology side, what are some of the things that you've seen over the past year and a half that you still believe that needs to, that still has to happen technologically speaking for, let's say the financial sector, then we'll go into regular business at this point. Well, there's little question that one has to stay competitive and you have to continue to invest in your business. Um, just stepping back, looking at the big picture for a moment, Faisal, um, you know, a lot of people have endured a lot of suffering financially, emotionally, uh, as a result of the COVID-19 crisis, and I do not want to underplay that. But entrepreneurs have had a lot of successes because the crisis has created openings for entrepreneurs to succeed. And as you say, like a retail store, if they didn't pivot like that to using Shopify's application and Webify their businesses, they've probably gone away. Uh, but the companies that did pivot have done very, very well. In the financial services space, one, one item that is in the back of my brain is it's all about service. And I'm not so sure that technology can really replace me picking up the phone and having a chat with you or going for a coffee with you. And so I agree that technology needs to be utilized to increase the efficiency of your organization yep. and to expand the capability of your marketing efforts. No question, both of those counts. But net, net, it really still comes down to performance and service. And some folks get so wrapped up in technology that they forget that in the financial services world, it's really about personal relationships. Let's take that further beyond the, the financial services world. Let's look at business in general. One thing that I've noticed during this pandemic is that customer loyalty, and I'll put that in, in quotes, um, kind of just goes by the wayside. Like there are companies that had your loyalty for a while, for a long time, let's say, and then the whole concept of support local, and then they shifted. Right. That loyalty was gone. Or you've been a local provider because you didn't have a website or you didn't have delivery, it's gone. And, and will they come back is the question. How important today, knowing what we've gone through in this pandemic, is customer loyalty going forward? Well, it's interesting because when you look at monopolists, duopolists, oligopolists, I would argue that often, the only way they know how to compete is by cutting costs or raising prices. And as a result of the technological change that has you know, had a step change upwards in the acceleration of its adoption and growth rate in underlying businesses, um, you're now able to get most things from anywhere in the world and you don't have to go back and use that monopolist, duopolist or oligopolist. Yeah. And so consequently, I think a, good number of them are going to struggle on a go-forward basis. Um, we've got a lot of those in Canada. 
one that comes in that that are are going to struggle as a result of their complacency. Well, you know, you're my customer, you're trapped. I don't have to worry about you. Well, I think some of them are going to struggle. One, I'm not saying this is the best example, but a Starbucks customer, I went to Starbucks this morning and they pivoted big time. Uh, 40, 50% of Starbucks sales are now, you know, from a phone. Yeah. And uh, they clearly have successfully adapted to the post-COVID world and the digital world. Part of our, our role is kind of do future gazing yeah. in our own businesses yeah. and so forth. And we want to kind of anticipate what's going to happen economically and then what are these, these businesses are going to do. So when you look at the Canadian landscape and you look at Canadian businesses, and let's not talk about just the publicly traded companies, let's talk about small, medium-sized enterprises. If you look out the next couple of years, um, where do you, where do you, what do you anticipate for Canadian businesses going forward? Well, I believe that growth is going to be... You know, kind of low. Okay. Um, you know, we have a new government, and I think it's highly likely that they will seek sources of revenue. Yeah. Um, you know, on the personal investment side, it's highly probable that the inclusion rate of capital gains taxes will go from 50 to 75 percent. And on the business side, well, we know they're going to tax the banks and insurance companies, 17 sure. half billion dollars worth of the new taxes over the next four years, is the estimate that I read mm-hmm. earlier in the week. Um, so growth is going to be low. Uh, the fight for good labor is going to get tougher and tougher. Yep. And I think taxes are probably going to go up. And so that means you've, I hate to use the phrase, but you've got to work smarter. And so technology plays a role in that, as we said earlier, so sure. as to increase the efficiency of your operations, uh, whether it's you know, cutting operating costs, making it easier for the, for the customer to do business with you. I mean, think about in our business, the digitalization of signing forms. Absolutely. That's a big, big win for big shift. Big the shift. client and for you. Um, so I think that uh, businesses are going to have to accept the macro reality, integrate technology into being able to compete, uh, and if they don't do those two things, I think a lot of businesses will struggle because it's not going to be a rising tide lifts all boats environment. And I would like to uh, kind of add to that as well. I think there's going to be a bunch of small, medium-sized enterprises in this country that are going to just fail. They're going to drop out now. 100%. I think they're going to drop out at a point because... They are, they've been able to get through the pandemic, either through support from government or the whole shop local. Right. Um, when we get back to somewhat of a normal life and we have more choice in front of us or on our phone, how are they going to be able to compete? Well, a couple of comments. First and foremost, I was chatting with one of my portfolio managers earlier this week about real estate investment trusts, yep. uh, the office ones, because the vacancy rates, of course, are you know, 15% in Toronto, 30% in Calgary. And I mean, how, how can these companies continue to pay the distributions that they pay? Um, I think the return to office is going to be longer mm-hmm. and than, than what the more optimistic folks think it's going to be. And I think a growing portion of businesses are going to continue to offer flexibility. So the ecosystems that support those office buildings are going to continue to struggle. Now, you know, I'm from that bad city called Toronto, as you know, <laughs> Faisal, and I think it's kind of depressing. You know, you talk about yeah. small businesses, uh, and I agree with what you just said about small businesses. But on some streets in Toronto, it seems like every second or third store is a marijuana store. Yeah. And, you know, if our economy is going to be going to 
going to pot. <laughs> no, but if our economy is going to be one where you know every third retail store is a marijuana store, uh, again, I'm talking tr downtown Toronto. I'm not talking across Canada. Yeah, it's pretty depressing. Yeah, and that that kind of tells me that. The old days of just setting up shop and watch customers come. No, because I can buy it on the internet. They can buy it on the right? internet. So these cannabis companies or any kind of business out there, if you're brick and mortar, you need to have an online option. If you're just online, how do you have connection to create right. loyalty? So this is going to be the challenge. That's why I think a lot of businesses are going to fail. And especially through the pandemic, being an entrepreneur or business owner was sexy. It was cool. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't, I didn't like my job. I'm going to go start my own business like it's so easy to do. I think people are going to realize it's not as easy as it used to be. No, it's not as easy as it used to be. And the hardest part is raising the capital to get your business going. I was Every, actually going to ask Everything that else is blocking and tackling. I was going to actually ask that question. Access to capital is probably one of the biggest challenges that you talked about two years ago with me. Um, I think it's still a problem. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, I think it is going to continue to be a problem. Uh, and if interest rates were to start going up, and they are going to go up, but I don't think they're going to go up a heck of a lot over the next, call it, 12 months, 15 months, um, so as to be materially problematic by themselves for financial markets. But when you look at access to capital, I mean, Canada is very different from the United States. I think you can take it back to Confederation because the founders of Canada were business people in Britain. Yeah. So they moved over to Canada. They set off tariff and non-tariff barriers uh, between us and the United States. They became the government of Canada. And Canadians, as a result, a lot of Canadians, as a result, uh, enjoyed being coddled for the next 150, 200 years, whereas the roots of the Americans were the guys and gals that got kicked out of Britain. Yeah. And so they were forced to be entrepreneurs. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, you've had differences in, in, in uh, industrial policy methodologies in the States and Canada. Uh, a lot of problems in both countries, but there's a much healthier, friendlier uh, attitude towards industrial policy uh, in the United States than here in Canada. One example being how academia and business work together. Mm -hmm. um, they work together great in the States. Yeah. It's getting better in Canada, but it's still not that good. Not there, yeah. So raising access to capital ultimately, I think, can be taken back 150 years, Faisal. <laughs> so what do you think business owners should do now, knowing that the access to capital is, is challenging, sometimes limited? Um, how do these businesses that need to expand, grow, need capital to do some of this stuff, what do they do? Well, first and foremost, if you have the opportunity to raise capital, I'd raise a little more okay. than you need, just in case. Just in case. And my economics 101 thought on your question is that 10% of 100 is worth more than 0% of a billion. Yeah. So if you have to give up more equity than you'd actually like to give up, when you raise capital, bottom line is 10% of 100 is worth more than zero, uh, more than zero percent of a billion. And uh, you know they say uh, pigs, I mean bull, bulls make money, pigs get slaughtered. So point number one is be realistic and raise more money than you need because just in case. There you go. So just in case, make sure you've got your technology set up. Make sure you've got your ability to get access to capital and understand that it's going to be tougher going forward than, than it was before. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me today. You're very welcome, Faisal. Pleasure to be with you. And thank you for listening to the Carmelli Exchange.